This is part nine on Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. And perhaps if you're tracking with me, you remember that last time we focused on what I called the objective, decisive work of God in our salvation, which is then correlated with our subjective experience of it, which is what we focus on now. So let me read it, and I'll try to remind you what I'm talking about. But God, being rich in mercy, that's objective, quite apart from us, he's that way. Because of the great love, that's objective outside of us, quite apart from us, with which he loved us, that's objective, he did that, he is that way. No matter what we are, he is that way. Even when we were dead, that's an objective situation that we, yes, subjectively experience, but God looks upon that. There's an objective reality. Our trespasses made us alive. Objective activity together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved by God. That's objective reality. Raised us up, objective reality, with him and seated us with him, objective reality in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And we jumped over to verse 10. We are his workmanship. We didn't write our own poem, and we didn't sculpt our own statue. We didn't paint our portrait. He did, and we didn't create ourselves. That's what I mean by the objective, decisive work of God. And we noticed that it is with Christ Jesus that he made us alive, raised us up with Christ Jesus, seated us in heaven with Christ Jesus, and he did it in Christ Jesus, to withs, and now in, so that he might show kindness toward us forever in Christ Jesus. Jesus, and jumping over to verse 10 again, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So the question we had at the end of the session was, okay, it's clear that this uh, being made alive and this being saved and this being raised up and being seated and having all this glorious future kindness is all because we are in Christ, identified with Christ. In fact, I think it would be fair to say, let's jump over to to 10 again, when we are called his workmanship, created, created in Christ, and then go back and say, isn't this made alive here, that creation. This is where that creation happens. So to be created in Christ Jesus is to be made alive with Christ. And I would say the essence of that salvation is God undertook in a supernatural way that's beyond our comprehension to unite us to Christ to graft us into Christ. 
vine and branches. This is the vine, we are the branches. We're grafted into Christ. There's a, a union with Christ, and God did that. Now, here's the question. How do we consciously experience that? Because all of that's being described without our conscious, subjective experience at all yet. So, Father, as we try to answer that very simply from verse 8 and a a few other verses, help us to grasp the connection between your objective work of creating us, as it were, out of nothing, in union with Christ, by putting us into Christ. Help us grasp how faith relates to that, I ask in Jesus' name. So there's, there's the answer. This word for at the beginning of verse 8, and I know we're still working on a 2, 4 to 7, and I'm having to jump over to verses 8 to 10 to answer questions in 4 to 7. So in a sense, we're doing 2 to 8 at the same time, but we are going to devote time to this as well when we're done with 2, 4 to 7. This 4 here is a ground and explanation of what went before, and here's, here's the issue of what, what went before. We were dead when he made us alive. We were dead when he raised us up with him. We were dead when he seated us with him. We were dead when he made this promise. And and the explanation of how this can be if we're dead is for grace. We've already seen that. He already jumped the gun here, right? We saw that. By grace you have been saved. And now he's going to underline it here. By grace you have been saved. That's why, even though dead, made alive, even though dead, raised up, even though dead in trespasses, seated, we were unable and undeserving to do any of this for ourselves. That's why it is all of grace. However, now he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now that is a subjective experience in our consciousness. Faith is the one human affection or um, condition of the mind or heart or soul that lets grace be grace. That's what I'm going to argue because of Romans 4, 13 to 16. The promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Here's the argument. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null, and the promise is void. And then he explains, that is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise might rest on grace and be guaranteed to all the offspring. That logic right there is what I think is going on right here. God has ordained, planned from the foundation of the world 
that his objective grace that raises us from the dead, seats us in the heavenly places with Christ, is experienced, embraced, received, enjoyed by faith, because faith is the one human experience that lets grace be grace. Let's look at it again. That is why it depends on faith. The promise depends on faith. Being an heir of God depends on faith. Why? Because in order that, this faith, in order that, the promise may rest on grace. If, if God did it any way but by faith, grace would no longer be grace. That's the assumption of those verses, and that's what's going on here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So my argument is that the union with Christ signified with these words that happens by God's creative act I say that because of created in Christ Jesus in verse 10, experienced as our faith. That's how we perceive that this is happening. Let me show you three other passages that point in that direction. Here's Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Is that objective reality? God united Paul to Christ in such a way that Paul experiences death to his old man. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. So when Paul contemplates this objective reality, I was made to die with Christ by God's mysterious, sovereign, connecting me with Jesus. I am now alive as a different person. That different person is actually Christ living in me. It is my life insofar as I now experience it by faith. Faith recognizes that God did this. Faith recognizes Christ is alive in me. Faith embraces that, loves that, lives in that. It is the life of faith. Or here's Colossians 2.12. Having been buried with him by baptism, in which you were also raised with him. So now baptism then is a picture of the death we're talking about. I have been crucified with Christ. There I go, down into the grave of baptismal waters. And I come out, raised with Christ. Two pictures, death resurrection. And how is it happening in subjective reality? Through faith. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. God did this working of burying me with Christ. God did this working of raising me from the dead. Faith apprehends it, embraces it, enjoys it. That's our subjective side to God's objective work. One more. And this one comes from Ephesians, and it's most remarkable. Paul, you know, is turning in chapter 4 from the 
description of God's work in us to our experience ethically of how it all works out in the Christian life. And here's the way he talks about it. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. Now, he's going to say three things that you were taught in him. Okay? When you were united to him, it involved being taught three things. To put off three infinitives. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. All that deadness. That's what you put off. And to be renewed. That's the second infinitive. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And third, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. Now that harkens back, right, to chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. But notice, this is an objective reality which Paul tells them to put on. They don't make it happen. This has happened. God did this. God made them alive. And now this is, put it on, put it on. Now I'm arguing that's faith. That's a paraphrase of faith. He could say, embrace by faith your new self. That's what he's saying when he says the metaphor of put on a garment. Embrace by faith your objective created self. So, my answer to the question then, what is the subjective human experience of all this objective divine salvation made alive with Christ? Saved by grace, raised up with him, seated with him, given kindness in him. All of that is experienced by putting it on, embracing it, receiving it, believing it, which is what Paul means when he says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the Embracing, receiving, enjoying, resting in all of this objective reality that God has worked in us. And we will look in coming sessions at this statement this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. I just want to stress right now the nature of faith is the sort of thing that lets grace be grace. <laughs> 